Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for Gardenmore Presbyterian Church. Keep up to date on our website, gardenmorechurch.org, or search for us on Facebook. If you have a, a Bible to hand, then please uh, turn to Philippians 4 as we uh, come again to look at this passage which we began three weeks ago. Uh, then we were focusing on verses 1 to 4, and you might remember that these verses appear to be Paul summarizing really, what he's been writing to the Philippians up until this point. And he does so in the form of short, uh, sharp exhortations. So this emphatic urging for the Philippians to to do these things, these practical outworkings of what it means uh, to live a life which is worthy of the gospel of Christ, which is what uh, Paul has has said earlier. We saw how how Paul urges the Philippians in these verses, and indeed all followers of Christ, in verse 1 to stand firm, in verses 2 and 3 to be united, and then in verse 4 to be joyful. Now, I had said uh, three weeks ago, and it was my intention today to to look at verses 5 to 9 in its entirety and look at some more of these uh, callings to to believers. But, But as I worked throughout the week, it became clear that that we should really just focus on verses 6 and 7, really because it just became too substantial to fit into one sermon. And it focuses on a topic which I think is really appropriate, is really significant at the moment. It's sensitive as well. And so I felt that it was uh, appropriate not to skim over it as part of a study, but to focus specifically on verses 6 and seven. But again, arching over these two verses in this whole study today is a call for the believers in Philippi from Paul. And in verses six and seven, he's highlighting to the Philippians and to us that we are called to pray. We are called to pray. And as we come to verse six, what we see is that Paul actually gives two commands. One of them is to not do something, and then a second command is to do something. So do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So first we see, do not be anxious. So I asked the the boys and girls earlier, and now I ask you, I wonder what makes you anxious? There's plenty of things to choose from, isn't there? And what might cause anxiety in our lives may be very different from person to person. We can be anxious about what the future holds for for us or for loved ones. Interviews, exams, hospital appointments, all these things can cause us anxiety. If you have a a fear or a phobia, then coming face to face with that might make you anxious. Anxiety is involved a lot in our lives. So Paul's command in verse 6 may raise a few eyebrows amongst you, and it may well have raised a few eyebrows as it was originally read out in front of the Philippians also. Do not be anxious about anything. And you think about this point where we've read through this letter with the apostle showing us that there are a number of things happening in Philippi and in the Philippian church which would be valid reasons to be anxious. You might recall these from from previous weeks and months. They were unsure as to what the future held for Paul as he remained in prison. They faced persecution and rejection. False teachers were seeking to, to lead them astray. And we saw 
few weeks ago that there's obviously some issues, some division between believers within the church at Philippi. All of these things, not even taking into consideration the the normal human day-to-day stuff and troubles that they faced would have brought great concern to the Philippians, and that might have led to them feeling uh, somewhat anxious and worried about what was happening to them and what was to come. Yet Paul's exhortation doesn't change. He is clear. Do not be anxious. Perhaps those words sound uh, familiar to you. They seem to be echoing the words of Christ in Matthew 6, 25 to 34, whenever he tells his followers and those listening to not worry about practical or physical provisions. Do not worry. What is striking about uh, Paul's exhortation is how extensive it is. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, I'd hazard a guess that nearly everyone here this morning uh, and those watching online and listening on CD knows that that 99.9% of the time when you face a dilemma or, or some sort of anxiety, the most useless piece of advice is what? Oh, don't worry. Don't worry about it. And the person who says this means uh, probably means no harm. In fact, we have surely said it to people before in the past. But giving that advice on its own, just on its own, is perhaps a little hopeless and useless. It's very unlikely to to make a difference to someone. How thankful we are then that Paul doesn't offer that piece of advice on its own, but he gives so much more. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Paul's message is rather than than tear yourself apart uh, with anxiety, and that's really what being anxious means. It's being pulled or torn apart. But rather than that, pray to God about everything. Bring your request to Him. And so we had that extensive, do not be anxious about anything. And here it's complemented by the equally extensive, but in everything, pray and bring your request to God. As one of the commentators uh, put it, the way to become anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything. I asked you a few moments ago, what makes you anxious or worry? Let me be perhaps a little bit more specific about that and ask you, what is there that is making you anxious right now? Or what is there that you can see coming down the line that you know is going to cause you great anxiety and worry? I wonder then, have we done what the apostle commands in these verses? Have we turned to God? Have we brought these things before him prayerfully? It's remarkable, isn't it, when we face anxieties and worries in our lives, how difficult it seems to be and how resistant we are to turn to God. It amazes me how much easier it seems to be for me to to work out what is it that I can do? How can I make things better? Or even even still, it's easier for me to, to go into a corner and to lament everything that I'm facing. 
I think we'll all admit that at times turning to God and throwing ourselves before him in prayer is almost the last resort when we're desperate. Yet that clearly isn't how the apostle sees it as a last resort. But he sees it as the starting point of facing anxieties and worries. I want to make clear this morning that I am well aware that anxiety and uh, being anxious is something which is extremely complicated. There are numerous mental, uh, biological, historical reasons which are way above my head and way past my understanding for why people experience such depths of anxiety and worry. So please don't uh, misconstrue this as being insensitive or, or me trying to, to belittle stuff because that's not what, what I'm trying to do. I'm aware that many of you sitting uh, in front of me, me and, and many of you at home uh, will experience deep and difficult anxieties. But it is true that very often a lot of our anxieties and worries are because our concern is, how am I going to cope with this? They often kick in because we realize that we are not in control of the situation. Or we have no idea of what tomorrow holds. We have no idea of what is to come in the future. And so Paul's command to present everything to God makes sense with this in mind because God is all those things. You see, believer, when we pray to God, as I said to the, to the boys and girls, we are praying to the one who is able to cope with all things. The psalmist described him as one who determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. There is nothing that our Father in heaven cannot handle. In Isaiah 14, the Lord declares, Surely as I have planned, so it will be, and as I have purposed, so it will stand. Or in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you. We may not be in control or know the future, but the one to whom we pray is and does. And so we see how our focus moves from being, how can I cope with this, to God is dealing with this. It moves from being, I am not in control, to God is in control. Or I have no idea what is going to happen in the future, to my God knows what is to come. Do you see how... By how Paul calling the Philippians and us to pray, it isn't only praying in the sense that we speak words and request to God, although that is undoubtedly a significant part. But with this uh, mindset, we see that it involves orientating ourselves to, towards God. We focus on Him, aim at Him, draw, draw near to Him, whatever way you want to put it. It's something much more than just spending an extra 10 minutes in prayer to God when we are anxious. But it's our entire life being redirected, being shifted towards God. Not being torn apart by all the anxieties and worries that we have because we have faith 
that the God who is near to us, we see that in verse 5, the God who is near to us, the one who knows all things and holds everything together in his hands, is our Lord who says in Isaiah 41, 13, for I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. That's why the apostle is able to make this extraordinary command, do not be anxious, because we trust that the one who we bring our request to, the God who knows the big picture and what is to come in the future, is the same God who Peter calls us to cast our anxieties onto because he cares for us. So friends, this morning, whatever your anxieties or your worries may be, let me ask you again, have you brought your requests to God? Or is that something that you're struggling with? Do we need to orientate our lives more towards God? Because perhaps this morning today is when you are being called to do that. And can I say as well that if you are someone who does struggle with these things, this, this passage and this sermon, it's not to make you feel bad, far from it. But I hope it's an encouragement to you to perhaps begin to, to reorientate your life towards God and your focus, but also to encourage you by showing where your hope comes from, from where your help can come from. Because look at what comes because of verse 6. Verse 7 says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Everyone wants peace. How many people throughout history, how many uh, celebrities, how many other people have you heard say that world peace is one of their main wishes in life? Every day we desire and crave peace in our own country that peace would remain, that violence wouldn't return. We want to live in peaceful neighborhoods. If you have a, a nearly two-year-old who is hyper, then you'll know what it's like to want peace and quiet. It's, it's not my experience, don't worry. But this isn't the sort of peace that Paul is uh, speaking about here in verse 7, because he is referring to a better, more complete peace, one which we fail to grasp or understand. You see, God is described many times as being the, the God of peace. We see that in verse 9 when we read through uh, chapter 4 there. He's described as the God of peace because he is peace. Now, that's a strange way to put it. But God has the characteristic of peace. This is because he never experiences anxiety because he is the sovereign creator, ruler God. And so because of that, there's nothing which is going to pop up and take him by surprise. There's nothing which has him on edge worrying about what will come of it. So he is peace. And as verse 7 says, and as you can tell from my rather lackluster attempt, this is something which we just can't explain. It transcends our understanding. Yet I'm fairly confident that many this morning listening, many sitting here this morning, would attest to the fact that you're left in no doubt when you experience it. See, people may mock and they may uh, laugh at the fact that we 
cannot explain this peace of God. But while this is something which is beyond our understanding and theirs, this is something which is a lived experience for so many people. Experiencing this peace of God is a reality that means we could probably go around this building and collect hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of examples from just with who is here today. The loss of a spouse, the loss of a job, the constant failure of sinning, the heartbreak of a lost baby, the disappointment of a medical diagnosis, the trials of parenting, the hurt of a marriage breaking down. Friends, the Church of Christ may not be able to explain it, but they are a walking, talking example of the peace of God, which has been experienced in all these types of circumstances and so many more than we could imagine. See, in our anxieties and worries, we have the the chaos of wondering how we are going to cope the chaos of panicking because we are not in control of the situation, because we have no idea of what the future holds, but how that changes so much because when the peace of God comes, it's because we acknowledge that we worship a God who copes. The peace of God is experienced in having faith in God who is in control. It comes by trusting in the God who knows the future, And this is what Paul says in verse 7, that that guards our hearts and minds. This was his experience as he sat in that prison. Let me read to you some words from Stephen Lawson, who who wrote this in his Philippians commentary, because I, I really felt like I couldn't, well, I definitely couldn't say anything better or clearer than this. Paul was being guarded by Praetorian guards, the most elite soldiers in the Roman Empire. However, He was also being guarded in a far more secure way. God was protecting his heart so that anxiety and fear would not enter it. Fear was being denied entrance into his heart. When preceded by prayer, the peace of God is always standing watch like a sentry over your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The entire inner person is being fortified against the attacks of worry. And anxiety cannot crack the divine defense. The Christian who prays dependently is guarded against the enemy of worry. It truly is my hope and my prayer that every single one of us will experience that peace of God. We're all in different places in our lives. We've all come from different places, but it is sure that we all suffer from different anxieties and worries at different points. So I hope this morning that fellow believers, you are convinced of your need to pray at all times. You are convinced of how valuable it is to bring everything before your God. Why? because he provides a peace, a peace that can only come from him. We don't find it or experience it in any other way. And to those this morning who are not believers, you experience anxieties, you suffer from worries just like the rest of us. And and as I 
studied this passage and as, we, as I reflected on it and as I've uh, preached it this morning, I'm left with a very serious question for you. And one that I would personally love you to, to think about when you go home. And, and don't only really think about it, but, but try and give an answer to it. And if you, you really can't give an answer, then it's very important. Talk, talk to Gary or, or talk to myself and we'd be happy to talk about it. But I finish by asking you this. In those times of anxiety and worry that you experience, the ones that are tearing you apart, where else is left for you to turn to for peace? Let's pray.